Welcome back to another episode of the Quality Under Pressure podcast. This is Min. I was in studio with Dean today, and our guest today was a grad school friend of mine, Emma, and she was also a PASA president, so now we've had back-to-back PASA presidents. And Emma, even in school, I thought she was very smart, so she had a lot of uh, things to say where it just gave me pause, and I was just like, oh, I never thought of it that way, and so uh, she helped me open up my perspective a little bit. Yeah, uh, Emma's main topic today was about empathy and about how we can do better and see other people's perspectives. And so I, I learned a lot, and I hope you all did too. Check it out. Welcome to the Quality Under Pressure podcast, a podcast that reminds you that a conversation is still a beautiful thing. My name is Min, in studio with my homie Dean. Dawson is out today. And uh, it's cool that we have back to back. Pasa president. <laughs> I want to welcome my friend Emma. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm very excited to talk to you, especially right after our conversation with Rachel as well. Mm-hmm. Just I'm trying to get more of my Humphrey friends on here because everyone worked on projects that matter. Everyone is articulate. Everyone is smart. We have to because it's like that's the thing about public affairs. You're going to have to communicate your ideas eventually. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and so we were talking before we started uh, recording. Um, was public speaking always a thing that came comfortably to you? Oh, God, no. Um, It's something that I really need to work hard at and work on being intentionally good at. I still sometimes get like that nervous gut feeling when I'm in front of a group, which is funny because now I do trainings um, almost every week. And so it's something that I've worked really hard to get good at yeah, or to get at least get better at. <laughs> <laughs> You're good at it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So th- is that something that Humphrey helped you out with a lot, do you think? Or was that something you were already working on? It was something I'd been working on. So I did two years of AmeriCorps before I went to Humphrey. Uh, and in my second year, it was something called an AmeriCorps VISTA leader. Yeah. And it was something that I had to be at the front of the room more. It was a safe space. So if I did mess up, um, yeah. I had a cohort in the community around me to support me and say, hey, here's how you can get better. Yeah. Um, and then I think through Humphrey, yes, I did have to get really good at it. Yeah. Um, you know, in the different roles I had in the student government, mm-hmm. it did push me to become better mm-hmm. um, and to just kind of set, shed some of that fear that I think we all have. You know, are people going to judge me? Are people yeah. going to have assumptions about me up at the front of the room, um, especially as young people, especially as a woman. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I had to just kind of let that go because at the end of the day, it didn't matter how I felt. It just mattered what the impact I made was. We had your back too. Yeah, exactly. Always. (laughs) (laughs) But it's different at Humphrey because a lot of people come through and you're talking to... You're talking in front of people of authority that Mm -hmm. have power, that have lots of knowledge. If you think about all the professors and things like that, um, so that, that I don't know, man. I, I mean, I've done a lot of public speaking now too, but that would that would have rattled me a little bit. It did rattle me a lot of times. I remember uh, there was one time um, I was just sitting doing homework in the atrium at Humphrey, and um, Dean Laura Bloomberg. Mm-hmm. Um, Walter Mondale was visiting the school, cool. and then she was just like, "Hey, I'm going to introduce you," and I was like, "Shit, okay, I'm, not ready for <laughs> I'm, this. I'm going to meet." Walter Mondale, yeah. no big deal as a Minnesotan, right? Um, so I had to be real, like improvise really quick and just have like a 30-second, this is what I'm doing, here's the stuff we're doing as a student body. Yeah. Um, so it 
was one of those moments where I was like, oh, God, there's somebody who I have admired for a long time who I am now meeting, and they have to make a good impression. Yeah, that's, I mean, one thing that the school does equip you with is mm-hmm. always having sort of that elevator pitch or just always having, being on standby and ready to engage with people. I think that is an important thing in public affairs. Maybe that's a lot of criticism that we give politicians that, you know, we're not satisfied with. Mm-hmm. Like AOC the other day, she was... Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she was building Ikea furniture in her new apartment in D.C. Yeah. And she was doing a live stream while she was doing it. I'm like, that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. that's really cool. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. And so, like, yeah, so that's cool. what, like, again, like, you're doing homework and all of a sudden you have to engage with Walter <laughs> Mondale. Yeah. It's like, equips yeah. you to do that and you have to be on your toes, I think. Yeah, and I think, and it's hard because I think we have this expectation, especially for any leader in any form, that they are, this is something that they're going to be just naturally good at and, I don't think a lot of people are naturally good at it. I think, especially, I am definitely more of an introvert. Mm -hmm. um, So it's something that we have an expectation of again. Um, And I think that a lot of people really struggle with it. And they could still be great leaders. But it's just in a different way. Yeah, just because of the social expectation. I think more and more I'm figuring out, too, um, cause Dean also, you consider yourself an introvert as well, right? Oh yeah, definitely. And so mm-hmm. both introvert of you guys, power. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think there is a lot of strength there. I think, you know, I think there's a misconception that introverts are like shy and awkward. Maybe they can be those things too. Just the way mm-hmm. things are structured, it doesn't necessarily support their personality type. Mm-hmm. But, um, I've learned, um, especially through Dean that if you bring up a topic that they introverts are passionate about, they will talk your ear off and in, like, in <laughs> yep. the most nerdy way possible. It's, it's like, please shut up. Please be an introvert. Quote, unquote. Yeah. This is not the can of worms I expected to. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I think it's a misconception. No. I think uh, there needs to be additional ways to support people of different personality types. Totally. Yeah. Did, do you think also having a female dean at our school helped mm-hmm. you in certain ways? I think... It did. I think I look up to Laura a lot. Mm-hmm. And she came in at a time where I feel like there were a lot of transitions that were happening in school. You know, she came in after the 2016 presidential election, yeah. which we all had a lot of feelings about. <laughs> yes, we did. Um, and I think what it signaled to me and through a lot of the leadership that Laura had at the school, um, I felt really powerful as a woman, as a young mixed race woman coming into my own leadership, mm-hmm. um, and that I really had the support of both the student community and from the administration within Humphrey to do a lot of the things that I wanted to do and to yeah. start to work on a lot of the change that I hope to ha- to make. Yeah. So it was a great opportunity to really flex that and yes. actually see, you know, how do you build collaborations with other students? How do you actually get change going mm-hmm. um, in a in a relatively diverse student community yeah. you know we don't have you know one of the things that i think we talk about a lot as humphrey Ed, is that we don't have a lot of conservative students yeah. but we have a lot of people who are across the spectrum politically mm-hmm. um and who have a lot of different ideas about um different political topics yeah um and so how do we create spaces to really get into the meat of those things yeah i love that and i i tried my best to do that too like you said Mm -hmm. there aren't always a lot of conservative voices and because they're outnumbered Mm -hmm. i think it makes it even harder to speak up and so anytime i had someone on that side of the aisle in one of my classes even if it was just privately um i would make sure like i would talk to them after the class and i'd be like hey i'm really glad that you have the confidence to 
voice sort of mm-hmm. unpopular opinions, at mm-hmm. least in that context. And so, yeah, that's great that you thought of that too. Like we needed more of that. Yeah. Well, and I think it's, it's for me, it's more about the, what are we, what is at the core of the issue? Mm-hmm. And we're going to be talking about empathy. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and, and for me, what is at the core of when we're talking about these political conversations and these debates is that Debate is great, and mm-hmm. we should absolutely have a lot of debate. But what are the things that are underlying our belief system? Mm-hmm. What are the things that we can agree upon? Um, I think there are things that we fundamentally we're going to disagree upon, and that's really important to talk yeah. about. Um, such as, like, there are things that are, for me, undebatable, like racism exists. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Sexism exists. So there are, like, <laughs> yes. some, some, like, hard lines that I personally have. Yeah. Um, but then there are things, like, I am not super well equipped at um or i don't have a lot of knowledge around gun debates um Mm. it's something that i'm like i want more control but i also want to hear more perspectives Mm -hmm. about it um because if we're going to it's something that we want to make happen we need to engage different people yeah i mean there are topics where you know it's you're going to land somewhere in the middle there's gray Mm -hmm. area even just like uh thinking about um i listened to a podcast recently on rent control Mm. and classic economic training will sort of tell you like okay like well this is going to have spillover effects like you know it's like we yes we want people to have affordable housing but what do renters think about that how does this affect supply and all of that um and there's you know like you can think of it economically mathematically but you know human behavior isn't logical and so (laughs) no economic model is going to capture that perfectly um but again like because it is so complex you're you're going to land somewhere that's gray and maybe unsure and it's important to talk that out i think uh, when you when you're bringing that up i think what's lost is the spirit of inquiry and debate mm. um that's why a lot of stuff gets bogged down in just like yell matches because it's just like okay i want to hear what you have to say please hear what i have to say but if i say something profound the response shouldn't be, well, they're on the other side. Like, let's try to shut that down or minimize something that they, they said is actually correct. Mm-hmm. It should be, God damn, you said something profound. Like, all right, let me let me in, like synthesize that for a minute here. I might not be able to tell you right now what I think or how I feel, but I'm going to go home and sleep on it. Like, mm-hmm. that spirit is lost, I think. Mm-hmm. There's a... Uh... Is that seeking to understand peace. Yeah. Like that's, for me, that's so important. I think as we seek to understand, we seek to have a deeper level of where are you coming from as a person who has this deep belief? Mm -hmm. There's a reason why you feel like this. How can I tap into that? And how can I have a productive conversation with you? Mm -hmm. And how can I, how can we disagree? Um, Again, there are things that are givens for me. Yeah. Um, but how do I still, as somebody who is relatively pri- privileged, call people in? Yeah. Um, if you say something that hits that I- icky place, yeah. how do we call you back in? And how do we work with you on your journey, or especially around things like race and um, gender yeah. and those different levels of identity, especially? Yeah. I'm glad that you're able to identify where you would, on topics that you have to draw a hard line mm-hmm. on. because. Yes, racism. <laughs> I can't even imagine debating somebody if if racism exists. Yeah. You know, and like yeah. you know, a lot of people say like, "Oh, well, now you're not you're not accepting my point of view." <laughs> it's just tolerance <laughs> of intolerance is completely different than just intolerance. Yeah. 
You know, so it's just like, yeah, we have to call you out on intolerant ideas. I have to be intolerant of your intolerant idea. Yeah, it's just different. Isn't it just different? And and there's a way to bring people in and to work with them. Yes. And that labor doesn't belong to everyone, though. I don't yeah. think people of color deserve to be the ones who carry that responsibility. Yep. Um. So I think a lot of white passing and white pa- and white people that is our responsibility. Yeah. As we work to undo the harms of racism, especially institutionally and otherwise. Yeah, yeah, and you have to think about who carries authority, who carries the power, who who are the people that have the ability to sort of begin to thaw those policies mm-hmm. and ideas. And it's a crazy world, Emma. <laughs> no kidding. I'm gonna hit you with the speed round. Will yeah. you do me a favor? And before we start that, pull the mic a little bit closer, which is actually a really good signal that you're comfortable in your seat. Oh, cool. <laughs> but just uh, so you can leave, just pull it up a little bit. Yes, perfect. That's great. Awesome. Looks a lot better already. <laughs> All right. So uh, our third co-host usually asks the speed round questions, but I'm going to throw it your way this time. We always start with an easy one. Cats or dogs? Cats. 100%. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Easy. We, we, don't, we don't really like it when people pick cats over dogs. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, what is your favorite food? Um, hmm. Oh, my gosh. Mm, nice. I'm t- totally pulling a blank. That's awesome. Um, I'm going to say Colby. What? Colby. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Come back shout out. To, shout out to my mom. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who is your high school celebrity crush? Oh, uh, God. What's his name? Connor Oberst. Oh, nice. <laughs> I like that yeah. one. Who's that? Uh, what was his band? Brad Bright Eyes. Eyes. Yeah. Bright oh, Eyes. Yeah. he's like yeah. an emo legend. So. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, coming from that world. I just never knew his real name. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, what is one place you would love to visit? Korea and Norway. I'd love to have a tour of my heritages. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, cool. Um, what is your favorite movie? Hmm. Kiki's Delivery Service. Well, I don't know that one. Who's oh. in that? It's so it's a Miyazaki movie. Uh-huh. So it's out of ah. Studio Ghibli. Okay. Um, and actually, on my Facebook page, one of my best friends from college, Claire, um, she made a um, drew me as Kiki. Yeah. She instead of having a cat, she drew a sloth for me because, as you know, sloths are my favorite. Animal. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed the ring on your hand. Oh is, yeah. Is that from Spirited Away? Uh, the one in your right hand, or no? No, this one I just got on Etsy. But oh this really? One, okay. Um, this one is actually from I got it when I was visiting Claire and her then fiance now wife out in the Bay Area mm-hmm. and so it's just a reminder that she's always with me Aww. Yeah. <laughs> I love that <laughs> thank you uh, if you could have any superpower what would it be um the ability to talk to animals I would really I, I have a cat which is why I went with cats yep. uh, I would love to know what he's thinking right, we, <laughs> he's probably it. thinking I'm hungry but whatever <laughs> <laughs> feed me uh, we'll loop back to that one um, is Benedict Cumberbatch handsome yes nice that was so quick <laughs> yeah. oh yeah I, I definitely have like a little bit of a crush on him. He's not my favorite. Like he's not in. He's probably in the top ten. Okay, cool. Yeah, we have. Uh, we've had internal debates. Your your team handsome. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, Men, where do you fall? I am a team. He looks weird. <laughs> <laughs> he looks awkward. I get that he has charm. But, okay, but so like, I said Connor Obers was my <laughs> high school crush. Like I'm dog. We guys get it for me. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Cool, cool. We could all be right on yeah. this one. <laughs> Uh, what is your favorite sport? Rugby or roller derby. Oh, wow. That's cool. Uh, and then our final speed round question. If aliens came to Earth, what would they look like and what would they say? Ooh, 
I think that they would look like us because I'm pretty sure they're shapeshifters. Nice. And then the second part of the question was, what would they say? Yeah. What's up? Nice. <laughs> they're shapeshifters. They yeah. gotta fit in. Yeah. <laughs> they're That's gonna awesome. to tap into our current lingo. They're they're just gonna meld in so well. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Cool. We're gonna loop back on a couple of these before we get into your topic of the day. Rugby. Did you play? I did in high nice. school. Yeah. I. You know, I am about five seven. I yeah. have fairly broad shoulders, so you know, I I have the right build to tackle people. And honestly. One of the most anxiety-free mo- times of my life, just yeah. because I just took it out on the women, mm. I, other women I was tackling. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. We've yeah. had well, how long ago was JJ? We had another rugby player in like here, maybe like five episodes ago, yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. And What's we, up, JJ? Yeah, <laughs> and we learned a little bit about yeah. rugby because it's like not a sport a lot of, a lot of Americans know about. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, when I when JJ was telling us about it, like it's it's a lot different from American football, where mm-hmm. you know, like. The point isn't to murder people. There are like limitations. You can't hit above the shoulders. And it is like sort of just like an intrinsically physically demanding slash quote unquote mm-hmm. violent sport. Um, but it, it seems like people, are, that's just not the point. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. really cool. Do you think, um, Dawson, we'll come back to this question because it could go on for a while. <laughs> Dawson and I, after we wrapped up in studio, yeah. we had this debate about um, do you think it would make sense? down the line to not have a women's and men's league but just like a basketball league um we talked about Mm. that so i'm i would be interested to hear you guys' opinions on that yeah uh we'll come back to that uh superpower talk to animals yeah that's the first time anyone has ever said that really yeah Mm -hmm. oh my gosh which i could like because dean uh we were just talking dean loves animals too and we were just talking about animals and like maybe working with animals more before you got here um, so I know that that answer gave Dean uh, perky ears too. <laughs> yeah. But why, why, why do you want that? Out of all the superpowers yeah. you could have, that's the one you chose. Yeah, I think that I would love it. So part of it is I am inspired by Eliza Thornberry of the Wild Thornberries <laughs> um, TV show and movies. Nice. Um, and I think there's something that animals really give a lot to us as humans. Yes. Um, so Kurt, my cat, he's about 12, almost 12 years old, but he has been almost in a lot of ways an emotional support animal for yes. me. Um, so I'd love to just hear like how he's doing and be able to communicate with him yeah. out of like meowing at each other. Um, <laughs> I partake too. <laughs> and, and I would love to just, you know, see how he's doing, see what he needs. Yeah. Um, and I think that there is a perspective that we can gain from animals mm-hmm. about how humans live their lives. That would be really interesting to tap into. Yeah, I agree. I don't think I, I mean, especially since we're going to come up on empathy here, mm-hmm. just the ability to forgive and to just sense people. I think I have a level of emotional intelligence. I like to think at, mm-hmm. as is. But ever since um, my dog Pumpkin came into my life, um, that's just like gone to another level where like, like I could yell at her one moment, but the next moment when I need her, she's there. Yeah. You know, so animals have just like uh, another level of just like empathy and being able to love and forgive. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So then, staying on animals, sloth. Yeah. Is your favorite animal? A hundred percent. How did this come to be? Um, I forget when I first like learned about sloths but definitely since college nice um and there's just something like they're just such weird animals and they're like <laughs> they they're are. not trying to hustle they're just like <laughs> internally calm and collected and they're just living their lives yeah. and um 
They're super cute. Yeah. Um, but and they have a lot of good memes memes attached to them. Yeah, that <laughs> is true. Is it true that uh, they could hurt you pretty? Like they can do a number on people if you just mishandle them. Or was that something I just like? Was that some anti-vax <laughs> <laughs> attached it's to some anti-vax? Well, do they have claws? They do have claws. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And uh, there's oh my gosh, I forget the name of the YouTube show, but he puts on like. Five true facts about the slaws. Uh, Z Frank's um, oh. YouTube channel, and highly recommend it. Watch the one on slaws because it is some, has some great actual facts about slaws. But yes, they do have claws that mm. could hurt you okay. if they didn't move so. One of my favorite sloth facts is that when a female sloth is ready to mate, she'll just scream. And what? male sloths will come to her. Really? Yeah, and I'm like, that is actual gold. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so awesome if that's how humans did it yeah. I just like go to the club and there's just like three women yelling <laughs> like, oh, I, I get it yeah. oh man oh, yep. again we could learn so much from the animal kingdom <laughs> that's hilarious so much to borrow uh, Korea slash Norway yeah. for the places uh, you want to visit most so you've been to neither neither I don't even have my passport nice Wow, no, that's bad. Yeah, that's yeah, nice. yeah. But like, is, are you coming up on a potential trip anytime in the near future? Not in the near future. Yeah. Um I have a woman who's been a second mom to me since high school, who's yeah. in France right now. Awesome. So she, I, we're, I'm hopefully going to visit her in uh, December. Oh, seriously! Wow. Mm-hmm. So there is a trip in coming up here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just need to like get a passport, book the ticket, ev- everything to play. Everything <laughs> travel to all. A through Z. Yes, exactly. That's awesome. Have you done an international trip? Uh, do you have you? You've had a passport. Mm-mm. Oh, okay. Got it. No, got it. I, got it. I have been to Canada. Nice. <laughs> nice. When I was twelve. Yeah. Oh, okay. Passports. <laughs> I think my first one, I only took one trip, so that was like a complete waste of like administrative oh, no. power and money and time. And but yeah, it's good to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so then, how about next ten years? Do you think you'll visit Korea or Norway? I would. Yeah. I don't know. I would love to. Yeah. I think that in ten years I'll be thirty-seven. So hopefully that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's all slow. All just about building up that travel fund yeah right so that's that's the biggest barrier but um one of my cousins she is actually studying in korea right now. oh wow yeah so she can do it i can do it yeah um if so when it comes down to it and you have to pick one or the other which one do you think you'll pick first that's a great question You have to cross that bridge soon yeah in the next 10 years yeah in the next 10 years (laughs) yes um I'd probably start with. Mm. Mm. It's so tough. I know. I want to go. I want to do the whole Scandinavia thing. I've been to Korea. um, My parents are. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I would love to do Scandinavia too. Yeah, I kind of want to go to uh, to Norway first, just because there were so many different places that my family came from Um, within there. Yeah. So I'd love to go see that. Plus, I'm a big fan of social. Yes. Socialist democracies, so yeah, you know, go check that out. Do you still going. have family in Norway? I do. Um, yeah. We're not super close um, because they're in Norway, and mm-hmm. I am in Minnesota. <laughs> um, but yeah, I could maybe hold 
stay with them or something. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. That would be cool. And it, we have family in Korea, but mm-hmm. were, we're not as connected to the Korean side of my family. Okay. But maybe I'll stay with my cousin if she ends up living there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Also, I feel like if you go to Norway, you can explore all, all, all the surrounding countries easier, too. Because yeah. South Korea is technically an island. Because North, North Korea doesn't count. <laughs> I'm not going to visit North yeah. Korea. No, no. Yeah. It's just so stupid to have to say that out loud because it's like, yeah. well, we know they're a country. Like, can we just technically count North Korea? I don't know. I don't. I don't know who made that demarcation there. So stupid. <laughs> uh, and then you said garbi was your favorite food. Yeah. That is a great choice. That is yes. a, a clutch choice. Right. I don't think I'll ever turn down garbi. No, never. I mean, there's something about just like ripping the meat off the bone. That yeah. Super satisfying. Sorry to the vegetarians out there. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Even though, like, uh, if when it comes to chicken wings, I'm a. Mm-hmm. Uh, I prefer boneless. Cause it's just a lot easier. Really? I do. It's oh. just. I get it. I mean, I've talked to more and more people about it. They think the the bone in chicken wings mm-hmm. taste better, and they like they like messy hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm like, no, nah, I'm a boneless wing guy. But Garby, any day, I'll throw yeah. it down. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. I don't know. There's something about like there's like a some YouTube video I watched that taught me how to like eat get more meat off of the bone in wings what and, yeah so and that's so for me that was the biggest barrier is that like well there's so many bones in there like i don't want to deal with that yeah but re- i'll show you sometime dude that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know there was so much technique no me neither oh, yeah. yeah it seemed pretty yeah. straightforward yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is an educational yeah. channel now <laughs> yeah it's awesome yeah once i learn maybe i'll uh, change my opinion on that Cool. Uh, so let's get into your topic of the day. Yeah. I hate to be a dick, but can you pull the mic up one more time? I just uh, yes. I last warning. Last warning. I just uh, I know when I listen to uh, Joe Rogan's podcast mm-hmm. and his guests are super far away from the mic, and then I have to like turn the volume up. I'm like, oh, that sucks. And so I try not to make that mistake. But also, yeah. you, you sound like a dick when you keep telling people pull the mic up. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, so. we'll come up with like a hand signal that keeps happening. Cool. So, uh, well, we've already sort of introduced your topic yeah. of the day, but you want to talk about empathy, and that yeah. I think is amazing. What sort of made you land on this topic? Yeah, so after you texted me, I was just like going through my mind of like, what could I talk about? And I was like, oh, well, I could talk about leadership because that's the thing. I could mm-hmm. talk about collaboration because that's also a thing. I could talk about politics because yeah. that is pop basically what our master's degrees are in yes and as i was thinking about it it was really what, ca- what came down to me about it was at the center of all of those different things is that it's really about empathy mm-hmm. um and sometimes the lack of empathy right um so for me i've been thinking a lot about empathy and its relationship to trauma mm-hmm. um so i think i've been thinking about you know as we become working adults, um, and more and more so. Mm-hmm. And after coming through this big um, experience we had in grad school, yeah. um, empathy was not always something we were good at with each other or with ourselves. Yeah. Right? So I've been thinking a lot about that. Yeah, that's a good point. I was just so hard on myself my first semester. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember two months in, I was going to drop out because I was like, "This, I am oh. way too dumb to be in grad school. And then it's just like the workload and just the adjusting and all of that. Um, so I was hard on myself 
Dean Bloomberg was actually the person that completely changed my trajectory. Uh, and so I have a soft spot for Dean Bloomberg as well. Um, can I ask you, what inspired you to apply at the Humphrey School and eventually end up there? So when I was, like I said earlier, I was in, did AmeriCorps for two years. Yep. Um, and I knew I wanted to continue to you know, work to make positive social change. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> when I was in AmeriCorps, it really came to light that I needed to, in order to make impact um, in the way I wanted to make impact, mm -hmm. a lot of the quote-unquote expertise needed to come from having a master's degree. Ah. Um, and so I applied to the Humphrey, and I knew I wanted to continue to do good work through mm -hmm. Through this master's program. Um, so I was very fortunate to get in. Yeah. Uh, I remember, I still remember the day I got the call. I got in. <laughs> you got a call? I got a call. What the hell? Oh, oh damn. I only got an email. Oh, <laughs> 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 Which is fine. That's yeah. sufficient. <laughs> I'm not hating. I'm just yeah. fake complaining over here. Good. <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah. Um, I remember uh, thinking kind of along the same line, too, mm -hmm. uh, just more and more. I was working in radio, which is like was awesome, but I was getting further and further away from. I mean, I thought I was going to make documentary films and mm -hmm. uh, make documentary films about, you know, like people that didn't have a voice that needed to get their story told. Mm -hmm. um, and then I was working in radio and it was more about fluff and pop culture and things like that. And so it was this really cool job. But. I was getting further and further away from my like original mission in life. Mm. Um, so then like the Humphrey popped up and I just remember thinking like waking up every day and every day you can read a sad story. Mm -hmm. And I remember feeling really moved during sort of the gay marriage push mm. um, and thinking like, God, that makes it's that that's one of those that like, you can draw a hard line on. Like, why yeah. shouldn't these people also be able to get married? Yeah. Um, and there was no there was no gray area there for me. And yeah. so I just remember thinking, like, I wish I could help. But I, I was much younger then and had less resources, just less knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, and just thinking, I don't know what I can do. And eventually that boiled over into, well, maybe I should go learn what I can do to help moving forward. So, yeah, a lot of I think a lot of overlap there. Totally. Did you always have that sort of sentiment, even like in high school? I would say so. Um, so I tell people sometimes that I was basically born with a picket sign in my hand. So I was very lucky to be raised by parents who were very committed to um, working, you know, supportive of us in pursuing our dreams, but also were really committed to bu building social good yeah. through volunteering, through church, through these different avenues. That's great. Um, and I was raised Unitarian Universalist. And there, the mission there is really around to, again, build social good. That's what a lot of is at the core for me about Unitarian Universalism, though I'm not of the faith anymore. Yeah. Um, and through high school, you know, I the first protest I went to, I think I was like 12 or 13, oh my and my God. mom had me signed as a conscientious objector. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. My parents are pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and I think that carried forward. Yeah. Um, I got involved working, volunteering with Planned Parenthood in high school. Awesome. And then um, when I was, I went to Bullitt College in Wisconsin and continued to do work around um, with Planned Parenthood in yeah. Wisconsin, did more around um, Sexual Assault Awareness Month and creating those healing spaces that survivors mm -hmm. and victims need. Um and also just like create, just telling people about like, hey, you're, here is why this is an issue and 
learning through those experiences how to be an advocate. Yeah, yeah. Were you, were, did you ever, were you ever face-to-face -face with survivors too during your time there? Mm-hmm, okay. yeah. Um, we did a lot of work. I really only did it one year, but yeah. we did it on, um, we had Take Back the Night yeah. um, and things like that. That's great. Um, so really it was about, you know, how do we hold those spaces? And yeah. How do we, I think that the conversations, you know, when people think about um, reproductive choice mm -hmm. and sexual health education, it's just this thing about like, what are STIs? Mm -hmm. what, how do you use a condom? Things like that. But so much of the conversation itself is about consent and mm -hmm. how do we have healthy and trauma-free relationships or at least as trauma-free in the sense that how do we minimize the impact that trauma affects how we care, carry ourselves in these relationships. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Planned Parenthood, advocating for Planned Parenthood in Wisconsin <laughs> must have been interesting. It was, yeah. <laughs> and very much the Minnesota type of interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's so true how we use that word, interesting. It could mean like 10,000 different things. Right. Um, it, and it was a great experience because I that was the first time I really got to um, really build meaningful relationships with mm. other people about, you know, why what ca what brings them into this work? Why are they excited? Why are they committed? Why are they tired of maybe what the status quo is? Mm -hmm. So it was a great opportunity to learn how to build empathy as an advocate. Mm -hmm. um, it's not just going out and saying, you know, here are the statistics and things like that, but here's what the implications of these policies and these different things are on people's lives. Yeah, that's one thing I learned a lot, too. I'm glad you brought up numbers because I went mm. when I was going to Humphrey, I was thinking I'm so bad at numbers. I got to learn a lot about numbers. Um, because I just want, I was even before that, I was just like wanted to be so evidence based in all of what I did or what, what I talked about. Um, so I was like, numbers, numbers, numbers. I got to get better at numbers so I can start proving things to people. And then I went to Humphrey and I was just like, no, it's so <laughs> much about what's between the numbers and the story. And like, the numbers can only tell you so much. Yeah. Uh, so it was really cool how I went into Humphrey thinking that and it just totally deflected me a different way. I was like, no, you dumbass. Go back. <laughs> To storytelling <laughs> so that was yeah. another great lesson too is there a lesson that you got from humphrey that you mm -hmm. still hold right now i think it's to and i'll use our friend octavia as an example yeah uh so when we were first getting together she taught me a lot about about that empathy piece mm -hmm. um and letting go of ego mm. um when we were before we became the friends we are now mm -hmm. um and that is very good friends. Um, <laughs> I think we came, you know, we were um, in com competition for some different things within ah. the school. Um, so we were kind of almost being set up to not be friends. Yeah. But when I, be it's now called the equity and inclusion officer, but when um, at the time was called diversity officer, um, I wanted to do some work around, I did work around mass incarceration through in a big event we held. And Octavia, thank God, was um, approached me and said, hey, um, I want to work up with you on this. Mm -hmm. um, I would love to learn more about what you want to do. And it was through that that we, you know, that kind of... Um, Blossomed this yes, relationship. Yes, <laughs> exactly. That's great. Yeah. That's great. And I'm glad uh, you used the word empathy mm -hmm. and Octavia because I learned that about her too. Mm -hmm. But I think at first, like, she's so strong. <laughs> Yep. So I don't think that comes off right away either, and so uh, I, I mean she's she's fa she's fantastic. fantastic. Yeah, yep. yes. yeah. 
That's awesome. Yeah. Um, where do you think, um, moving forward, what would you like to see more of surrounding empathy? Mm-hmm. So one of the biggest things that, so in my work, I work in the public sector. Mm-hmm. And I think that when we're, when we talk about empathy, I think it is, what's the word? I think it's disingenuous if we don't talk about empathy and how we talk about building racial equity mm-hmm. and how we talk about systems change and social change. Mm-hmm. Um and so I am really excited for the different conversations that I've been a part of within my work and with others outside of my work as well in different areas um, about how do we really have deep and meaningful conversations? How mm-hmm. do we have vulnerability and empathy? Yeah. Um, because I can't be vulnerable with you if you're if I don't feel like you're going to be empathetic with me. Yeah. Um, you know, vulnerability itself can feel unsafe in a lot of places. Yeah. Um, and so building that level of trust between people mm-hmm. and being willing to go into those deep conversations with people is really exciting to me. Yeah, yeah. Then do you think we just need m- more resources, more efforts to build, uh, like to give people time and space to have those conversations? What does that look like then? Well, so here, I think it look, can look like a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. I think that Part of our reality, which is for me unfortunate, is that some people just aren't willing to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are people who will shut down as soon as you say the words racial equity. Mm. Um, there will be people who shut down when you say the words privilege. Privilege, yeah. Um, and so part of the work is people with similar privileges working with those people to bring mm-hmm. them into the conversation. Mm-hmm. I think it can also look like how do we think strategically about how are we aligning our resources and who are we bringing into the conversations? Um, you know, are we aligning resources to support communities of color? Mm-hmm. Are we su- create, aligning our resources to make sure that we are supporting women-owned businesses? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that is also a part of it is that tied to how our systems work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, and I also want to add too. I think people need more time to think to, with themselves. Yeah. I think people are so busy and so stressed out <laughs> that people never have this time to just like l- sit there or lay there and think about how did my day go? How did I? How did my actions affect other people today? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I made a post on Facebook like a few weeks ago about food prep. Which, I saw that one. Which I thought was going to be so benign. And it's just Surprise. Like, <laughs> oh, Facebook. And it was just, it, my point was, you know, like, it's, I'm, again, it's great that to satisfy the people that got a little feisty with me, I'm, it's not that I don't think people should be allowed to food prep. That's great because you're planning ahead. You want, you're thinking about maybe health and things like that. But the fact that food prep is so celebrated. It's, it also indicates that people feel like, I don't have time. Yeah. I have to make an entire week of meals <laughs> on Sunday night. I have to eat microwave broccoli on Friday <laughs> that I prepped on Sunday. Otherwise, I'm not going to have time to prepare any food. Yeah. That is a sad indication of how little time we have. Yeah. And I was trying to make that point. And even like the people that gave me some pushback, which is fine. I'm glad that, you know, again, conversations need to happen. Yeah. Um, but even some of the people that gave me pushback, they're some of the more 
like open-minded, like progressive mm-hmm. people. I'm like, if I can't convince you, yeah. what hope do I have to even like begin this fight for it? Hey, we demand uh, like more time with our families outside mm-hmm. of work. And it's just like, you know, everyone goes to work and works really hard. We were so productive in 2019. And nothing has kept up. We're not like better compensated or like any of that. Yeah. And so like when do we as people get rewarded for <laughs> all of this and like find a better balance in life? Well, what's an example of some of the pushback you got for that? It was just like, well, you shouldn't like criticize people for like <laughs> meal prepping. Okay. That's something that I do for one, like nutritional reasons yeah. or like, you know, I it helps me save money. Sure. And like I just like doing <laughs> okay. it. And again, that's not mm-hmm. what yeah. I was that's saying. Not yeah, yeah, that's yeah. not my point. No, exactly. They missed it. Yeah, they, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And so I know it's like a Facebook post. It's not a thesis. I can't go over it. I'm not writing multiple chapters here. Um, <laughs> and so it's like, sure, there. Uh, maybe I glossed over some of the more I don't know, important details. Um, but I also expect, like on a Facebook post, people to tease through all these different layers in that idea. Mm-hmm. And... And these are like some of my most open-minded, progressive friends, and they couldn't even do it. I was like, God, (laughs) I'm going to die before we make any changes on this front, which which is fine. There are so many other issues we can work on, so (laughs) I guess we'll just have to cook broccoli on Sunday nights and eat microwave broccoli till Friday. Unseasoned chicken breast. (laughs) (laughs) That's disgusting. Don't act like that's good. No, it's not. Yeah, I'll, yeah. Go I'll, ahead. I was going to say it's one, some of the hardest work that going back to what you were saying about reflection mm-hmm. and having that time to, I mean, really, it's about holding up a mirror to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the hardest work um, has been the times when I give myself that space to do that, mm. and that's something that I don't think we are really good at as people. Yeah. Um. You know, I think it's hard when we think about ourselves. Like we, I do genuinely believe that everyone wants to be a good person. Yes. Yes. Um, and be- just because we have that belief and we have that drive doesn't mean that there aren't times when we're not being good people to other people. Yes. Um, and that we're still causing harm in some places. Yeah. And so. We can be try to be good, um, mm-hmm. but we also, especially when we're talking about different facets of privilege, mm-hmm. um, race, gender, class, mm-hmm. otherwise, it requires the people who are privileged within those identities to hold up a mirror to themselves mm-hmm. and to think deeply. Because I think there's a gut reaction, right, that we have where we say, oh, well, that was just one time. That mm. was just a little thing. I didn't mean it like that. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to have this drive to go more to what was the impact of our actions rather than the intent of our a- actions mm-hmm. um, or mm-hmm. what we said or et cetera. And especially with empathy and thinking to how do we bring empathy into these conversations, into these tough conversations, mm-hmm. um, is really how do I hold what I did with another person? And it sucks sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I was working, I was part of the giving project with Headwaters Foundation for Justice, and I hadn't reconciled with my class privilege. Mm. Um, and, you know, I grew up very much middle income. I went to a small liberal arts college, mm-hmm. and then I went to, did AmeriCorps, went to grad school. Yeah. Um, and so there was a journey that I needed to go on to be a better ally to people who do not have the class privilege that I have. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just something that we need to get 
better at just as people. Yeah, I like that point because, like, my initial question to you was when we think about empath- empathy and giving people a chance to think about it more and like mm-hmm. use it more. My mind went to resources. How、mm-hmm. do we give people space and time? But I love that point that you brought up, that mirror point.、Um, mm-hmm. Maybe people don't always want to do that because they're afraid of what they'll see, and I think that is a more critical component than what I originally brought up、um, about time and like space and resources.、Um, yeah, people don't. Maybe they just don't want to do it. Yeah, and I think those two overlap totally. I、mm-hmm. think.、Yeah. I think. I've also been the beneficiary of people who would help me shepherd, who helped shepherd me along my journey. Yes, yes.、Um, so when I think of resources, is it's time, it's energy.、Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's money, but it's not always money on this kind of journey. Yeah, right.、Um, and having that space with someone you trust to say, "Hey, you caused harm to me in that way, and I want you to know,"、mm-hmm. and to have that trust with someone, that is a huge gift. Yeah.、Um, and I think that. We're also really bad at receiving that gift. <laughs> yes, yeah. I think some of the most pivotal moments in my life was when I f- was doing that introspection, and I realized, oh my god, I've been living a lie, and it stings <laughs>、yeah. in the moment. It sucks. Change is hard. Yeah, and it stings. And, and but then, like moving forward, it's it's so rewarding because now I can change my course of action, and I can begin thinking about how. How how I can do things better, and、mm-hmm. so a lot of times when people have exposed how wrong I was about something,、mm-hmm. those were some of the most important times in my life. And so I, having that perspective, hopefully, allows people to hold that mirror up more often. Yeah. Yeah. When when we think about change, like it's in, it's personal change, right? Yeah. Right. And, and it's like, how does that change affect our workplaces and things like that? And one of the things that I've learned at this point is that it never ends.、Mm. I mean. We can always work on, and we always need to continue to work on being better people for、yeah. others. Yeah. Do you guys think?、Um, I, I was holding this question, but moving into a more philosophical space,、mm-hmm. do you guys think empathy is intrinsic? Are we born with empathy? Because it does、mm-hmm. look like people have different levels of empathy,、mm-hmm. and I just wonder if if it's we're still all born with it. What our environment and、mm. the conditions don't always allow us to express it. Like, does Donald、yeah. Trump have empathy? Does he have <laughs>、oh, empathy? I don't know about that one. <laughs>、uh, maybe not now. Yeah.、Um, I, I, to answer your question, I think that we are maybe born with the potential through empathy,、mm-hmm. but the way that we are conditioned as people determines how enabled or disabled that is. Yeah.、Um, you know, I think about、mm. the fact that. Men in particular are、yeah. taught to be emotionless and、right. to, taught to not express emotions or to focus on、um, the experience and、mm-hmm. only focus on action.、Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we strip men as a society of the potential for empathy that men hold.、Mm. So how do we support all of these different types of people in building that empathy? I also think, on the other hand, that women and gender nonconforming folks are disproportionately taught to have to hold empathy.、Mm. Same with people of color, people who are marginalized or oppressed.、Um, those people are taught that they have to be more empathetic to the people who are maybe stripping them of their dignity. Yeah,、mm-hmm. that's both really great points. The first one about men,、mm-hmm. uh, very gender. I 100% agree with you, especially、mm-hmm. growing up as a man. I think, <laughs>、uh, but also very generous of you because 
Yeah, sometimes it is the environment that sort of doesn't allow men to do that. But also, if they sort of recognize the privilege that men have had, um, men have been pretty much dicks since the beginning of time. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so sometimes I lose that. Some I lose that perspective sometimes. Like, no, 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 don't show this dude any empathy. <laughs> men don't deserve an ounce of empathy. Um, and so it's. Great to hear that from you saying that, you know, it's it's not always their fault. Mm -hmm. It is sort of the the culture mm -hmm. culture and sort of the structures that we put into place that sometimes don't allow men to express that. Yeah. And that's part of men's journey, right, is to let go of a lot of those feelings of they can't be empathetic and they can't be emotional people. Mm -hmm. I think men generally are deeply emotional people, Yeah, um, but they're not given the same type of language that women and gender non-conforming folks are given. Yeah. Um, and but that's also even though that it's not fair that they were take that that was taken from them. Part of the journey I feel for men in particular is mm -hmm. to learn how to use be emotional and empathetic people. Yeah. Or to deepen that because I think it's totally there. I agree, uh, and I grew up a mama's boy, so I got lucky <laughs> that way. Where you know, it's just like my my closest mentor and friend, like cried a lot and I was mm. like oh okay like I can cr like even going to the movies how men aren't supposed to cry when they watch movies it was so much harder to hold that in than to just let it out mm -hmm. um, and so I was like God, this feels good when I can just when I can just let cry yeah. and and then you know it's like my the person that I looked up to they were fine with it so I was like oh I guess I can do this and then um, just uh, just the way that my mom treated people too I was just like oh it's like it feels good when you're nice to people or when you see someone crying to sort of try to put yourself in their shoes. I'm like, oh, that's a good thing. Mm. But again, like when you grow up that way, too, sometimes you get called a pussy or whatever, you know, like that happens. Um, so, again, it's not always the easiest to go down that path and maybe moving forward. Uh, we can make it easier. And I think it is. Yeah. I think especially with the millennial generation, mm -hmm. um, like it's not it's it doesn't make you less masculine if you cook dinner for your family <laughs> or do the dishes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It makes yeah. you more of a man. Mm -hmm. yeah. So hopefully we see more and more of that moving forward, especially coming from an Asian household, too, where gender roles are gender roles. Yeah. And so that and that's why I feel like, again, a diverse collection of ideas at your disposal is a benefit. I just just diversity is a benefit. That's another hard line we should draw yeah. to because I had yeah. the the opportunity to see all the great things from an American context mm. and all the good things from a Korean context and the gender roles at home was not a good thing <laughs> in either context. Right. So I learned quickly to dispose of that and thought, oh, when I, if I get married, that's not something I want to do where with the e economic situations changing where women have to go to work and they have to come home and do all the oh, work at home too. Mm -hmm. That just didn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, do you think you're generally optimistic about the future? I am. I, I think... You know, I think when we see, I'm very driven by, again, the social change piece and making nice. an impact. But the thing is that those systems that we're trying to reform and those um, organizations that need a lot of work, mm -hmm. um, those are have been around for 
hundreds of years, if not longer. Very powerful, yep. lots of momentum. Yep, yep. So any change that we see is not going to happen overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, some change is probably not going to happen in our lifetime. Um, and that's part of the reality. And that doesn't mean that we stop doing the work. Right. It means that we are even more committed because we're we're paying forward to the future. Yeah. And that's just as important as the now. Yeah. I was talking to some of our um, <coughs> step peers. Mm. Um, and that's, what is that? Science, technology, and Envi- uh, environmental. Environment? Yeah. What's P? Policy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my god! What? What? <laughs> <laughs> I went to a policy. I went to a policy school. What is MPP? <laughs> a master's in public <laughs> progress. Person, people, public people. Oh my god! I went to a policy school. I apologize, Humphrey. Um, Shout out to the step students listening. <laughs> <laughs> and they're not even the most visible one. The burps mm-hmm. are the most visible out of all the different degrees. Right. But uh, I was talking to them, and I was just like, you know, like um, now I'm uh, my work that I my job that I start next week is youth involved, mm. and I keep I always like I don't know how climate change comes to the forefront of my mind on a daily basis, mm. but it does. I think every time I see plastic. I'm like, oh shit! <laughs> one, one time use plastic, <laughs> and like I just think about like climate change, and I yeah. brought up with one of our step peers, like you know, like millennials have are working on a lot of things, but uh, I feel like you know, like climate change is one of those things that we could push harder on, pay it forward. Yeah. And um, I was like, you know, I've, I'm optimistic about the future, the next generation. Um, really getting this right. And he was like, dude, there's not going to be a next generation if we don't get it right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, you're right. Like yeah. a lot of the projections are like 2050 is like this critical juncture. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wait, oh my God, I'm going to be alive when it's 2050. And <laughs> <laughs> so like, it's on us. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I. So I'm the oldest of four. So I have nice. three younger siblings. I have two brothers and my sister is 10 years younger than me. Nice. Um, and she, I think when I think about that question about optimism yeah. is like, I'm optimistic because of her. Wow. And like, she's such a badass. Yeah. Uh, she doesn't take anything. Where I feel like <laughs> millennials were taught, we, we have this ingrained like indebtedness mindset essentially. Mm. Where like, I like, for example, like, uh, I'm trying to think of a good example, not that I said those words. Um, but I think there's the sense that we feel like we should be indebted to the generations before us, especially baby boomers and things like that. <laughs> Damn it, baby yeah. <laughs> Even though blame us for, like, shutting down, I don't know, Superstores yeah. and Sears <laughs> and, you know, that yeah. damn avocado yeah. toast. <laughs> <laughs> and so there's this ingrained mindset that we have. The generation after us, I think they're Gen Z, Gen X. Is that what we're calling it? Okay. Sure. Um, the generation after us, my sister's generation, they don't have that. Yeah, um, they're pissed off in a lot of <laughs> ways. Um, I think of there's a young woman from Scandinavia, I think Norway, who is like was up for a Nobel Peace Prize for her work on climate action. I think her mm. first name's Greta or something. Nice. And I'm excited because a lot of youth I see are just not putting up with it anymore. Yeah. And I feel like millennials and folks our age, not that we are settled 
in, mm-hmm. but we're feeling the burden of a lot of things. We're feeling the burden well, yeah. of education and student loan debt and yes. what is our future. And we yeah. have all these expectations the of recession. the recession. Oh my God. Um, so there's this fight that I think some millennials have lost mm-hmm. that mm. a lot of folks in the next generation have. And that's nice. really exciting. Also, I'm glad you brought that point up when you said that we have this burden of or like this guilt of being in debt. I think so much of that has to do with previous generations pointing at us and mocking mm. us and saying this is the gener- this is what entitlement looks like. <laughs> this entire yeah. generation is what entitlement looks like. Mm-hmm. Like you try to enter the workforce during a goddamn recession. <laughs> yeah, we had no opportunity. Yeah. 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 yeah, we were told to go to college, take out all this, mm-hmm. all this debt, take out all this debt, yeah. and then you will be rewarded yeah. at the end of it. Yeah. and w- now we're ready to enter the workforce, and it's like there's nothing for you. Mm-hmm. Like you try doing that. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then it's just like. So the recovery is slow mm-hmm. and you know it's like I don't again that's not something that happens overnight yeah. and now we're getting back on our feet and it's, and it's hard yeah well, and then so I'm very forward and very open about the my student loan debt I have mm-hmm. over a hundred thousand dollars worth of student loan debts of, and not an insignificant a part of that from going to grad school yeah um, you know hoping I'm very lucky to be in a uh, position that where I have a lot of growth and that I'm well compensated mm-hmm. Um, and not everyone has that privilege because mm-hmm. I'm not the only one who spent 60k to go to grad school. Right. Um, and a lot of people, especially the nonprofit sector or folks who are struggling to find a job, don't have that privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a burden that we just have mm-hmm. um, that we're not really talking about, and not a lot of people are talking about. Um, like I went over to my grandparents in Bloomington the other day, and my grandparents were like, "So like." How's the situation? Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was like, not great, um, but I'm working on it. Fingers crossed public service loan forgiveness Yo. is around in mm-hmm. 10 years-ish. Yeah, We'll see. Shout out to the DeVos administration. <laughs> um, so it's, it's a reality. And yeah. I think it also, when we think about indebtedness, I also think about how does that impact how we are able to participate in social change activities that yes. may or may not be work. Um, yes. And by that, I very much mean protesting and organizing and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, because if we have this debt, we can't organize because we still have to pay those bills. Because we have to work till 9 p.m. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many handcuffs that happen mm-hmm. when you when the, the economic world that we face these days, mm-hmm. there are so many handcuffs that don't allow us to do that. I'm really glad that you bring up that point, too, because for I think this was like, I do a lot of thinking before bed, which doesn't allow me to get to bed sometimes. But for the last two weeks, something that's always come up in my mind before falling asleep is, what is going to be our generation's big national commitment to something? Mm -hmm. So either like, you know, like the space race or um, creating like a social, Mm -hmm. like the the brand new deal. Mm -hmm. What are people going to look back on, on the millennial generation a hundred years from now and be like, they did this. And I'm like... I don't know. It. I mean, I think it has yeah. to be climate change. Yeah. But like you're saying, like there's a lot of other things we can demand too, like more time to cook fucking food, <laughs> <laughs> like meal. So I don't have to meal prep. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, I've been thinking about that. So like that's a great point that you bring up. Like, are we gonna have an opportunity to even do this 
big cultural national project where, you know, I just feel like the space race, I'm sure there were, there was a voice that's saying like, you know, this is not what we should be doing right now. And there was an opposing voice, but just like historically, like looking back, it just seemed like everyone was on board. They were like, if we don't do it, Russia is going to do it. And Mm -hmm. everyone was on board. I don't know what we have that looks like that. Kind of going back to empathy, there's a desensitization that has happened across multiple generations, mm. ours included, about the harm that is being committed within this country. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, I, I feel this feeling often, frankly, of action paralysis. Like, how mm. do I make change? How do I work to push back on some of these things like Border Patrol and ICE and literally keeping people in cages essentially yeah um that is abominable Mm -hmm. but what do we do in minnesota or what do i do as somebody who still Mm. needs to work full time um that i don't have answers for and that if anyone out there has answers please let me know but part of that is the work i think again of how do we how you know i have finances now uh, I yes. make more than 15k a year yeah um so um as opposed to grad school so <laughs> i can like afford to do things now so how can i use my resources whatever those look like to yeah. support these this work that is helping elsewhere in our very large country yeah mm-hmm. yeah I, I think that ties a lot of things what you just said too is just like we're literally putting people in cages mm-hmm. if that is a if that doesn't signal where's empathy yeah. someone call the empathy police yeah. I mean that's yeah. it, and I'm 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 so glad that you bring up when at the beginning you brought up animals too. Mm-hmm. Like I think about how people can torture animals and not bat an eye. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you have never been around an animal, have you? Like, yeah. there's so much emotion in in it in a creature that isn't a Homo sapien, mm-hmm. and you 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 just can't sense that because you have no empathy. Mm-hmm. It's so tough. I can watch people like like human beings beat the crap out of each other, but the second nope. like someone hits an animal, I'm like, mm, oh, I'm I, out. Yeah. I can't watch it. <laughs> yeah. yep. I don't know mm. what it is. I think there's this, for me, it's, I totally get that. Like there's this sense of I need to protect or something like that when it comes to seeing animals. Like there's a short clip that came out about a dog and a cat and the cat was astray and then the dog was tied up. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen this, but I can, I'll send it to you. Please. Um, and the dog was um, part of a dog fight club. Oh, yeah. Um, and there's something about animals in particular. It's that vulnerability and that trust yeah, that yes. they, they intrinsically trust us yes. to take care of them. Mm-hmm. And we continue to let them down often. <sighs> so true that's so true and just like so many like when it comes to animal and sport it's just like so much like tying animals down or like handicap like giving yourself an easier way to like kill them and things like that i'm like if if that's if you it's like oh i love the adrenaline and then Mm -hmm. i'm like well then fight this lion straight (laughs) up next time without a gun in a cage just the two of you yeah let's see who comes out on top that'll give you some goddamn adrenaline yeah oh i'm gonna eat it over here i was so fucked out when i brought up the topic of like thinking of videos where like animals are literally tied down Mm -hmm. and like people are coming in and with like whips and things like that Mm -hmm. how how bummed out i was feel Mm -hmm. but then i just think about 
the dude from Jimmy John's, and I just get oh, heated. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's yeah. it's kind of messed up though, because like those big game hunters out there. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously he 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 did it legally, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, and that like you know that funds a lot of the the national parks out there That's and true. preservation. It's just it's kind of cr- a crazy circle there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're right. Just the yeah. model is. Yeah. <laughs> Messed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same yeah. with hunting in the U.S. too. Oh, my yeah. God. It's like, well, mm-hmm. we shouldn't have to fund uh, wildlife and environmental preservation through the detriment right. of wildlife <laughs> right. and environment. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Maybe we can fund mm-hmm. it other ways. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Jimmy John should just make a donation. Every fifth sandwich they sell, oh they donate all the proceeds to their fifth shitty sandwich that they sell. <laughs> <laughs> there goes our Jimmy John's endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> That's out. That's out. Maybe see our clubs in. <laughs> uh, we started uh, asking our guests one final question, and it's sort of a philosophical one mm. too. And maybe we've ta- we've covered it, and so this might end up being short. But what is the meaning of life? Mm. I think it is, and I'm sure. You won't be surprised, and you probably won't be surprised, and the people listening probably won't be surprised. Um, I think it's to do good mm-hmm. um, and to pay it forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I have been really fortunate and lucky to have a lot of people who have supported me, mm-hmm. who are committed to making that positive social change, um, to undoing, undoing the harms of the systems that we have created. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the work for all of us, is how do we build a more generous, more empathetic, more holistic Mm. society where we can really see each other in all our humanity. Mm -hmm. And and it's interesting because it's like, what's the meaning of life? It's like, well, it's to create a better life. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just weird. I feel frustrated that I can't galvanize people. Like, no one's happy in this system. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone is bitching. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, so you don't like the system either? Should we do something about it? Nah. Yeah. I'm cool, guy. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, like, how do I motivate people? Like, that's like a big thing. That is a big thing. Yeah. And so mean, we need speakers, people that influence. I mean, that's one thing Donald Trump is not bad at. Right. Influencing people. For better or for worse. Right. I cut you off, though. What were you going to say? Oh, no. I was going to say, and we're starting to see that. You know, you brought up AOC earlier. Mm -hmm. We're seeing that more and more nationally. I think we see it a lot locally Mm -hmm. um, and local figures. Um, I think we also have to see them as full people, too. Yes. Um, Like, I think that a lot of times people, you know, I we separate the, we have this, image of a person yeah and that is what motivates us but they're also just a person yeah um, so we have to keep their humanity and empathy with them as well i so agree i remember um eating dinner with some friends at a restaurant and we saw i wish i remember who it was it's like i don't who makes the demarcate i saw a c-list celebrity <coughs> you know who makes those rules but i was like oh my god it's that person mm-hmm. and then my friend's like oh you got to get an autograph i'm like he's eating food with his friends i'm not gonna run <laughs> over there and be like hey, hey, hey <laughs> you don't know yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but i need your autograph and a selfie real quick right. it's like they're they're people sometimes you just want to eat your damn sandwich i know so it's like when justin i don't like justin bieber but when i see him like be like hey get the hell away from me i'm like i kind of get yeah. it yeah. That's how I would be. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I think that's where ALC is so graceful and generous. It just seems like I've seen videos where people are like, oh, my 
God, AOC! I'm in the as she's crossing the street, and she is so welcoming, mm-hmm. and I think she gets that you know when she signed up for that position. Mm-hmm. That was gonna happen, and she embraced it, and she know, and she knew that she was gonna approach it differently, yeah, and it, not approach it like in a political way, where just like, oh well, I'll talk to you, but put your cell phone away. Like I'm not gonna do this on record or things like that. She's so transparent, mm-hmm. and I love her. <laughs> <laughs> I ship it. Um, yeah, I think there's especially when we talk about politicians, there is a sense that I have to give you the political answer, yeah, instead of the real answer. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. Um, and that's a hard one to navigate. Mm-hmm. Um, like I know I even when I was past president, I fell into that trap of like, all right, I'm going to give you my political answer rather than my <sighs> real answer, which is like, I don't have the capacity because I'm a goddamn grad student. Like, like. How can I? So then the conversation is, how do I bring you in? Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't always good at getting to that real answer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when we get to those real answers and ask those real questions, mm-hmm. um, we can have we can s- bring people along because I don't need my elected officials mm-hmm. to necessarily do something for me. Mm-hmm. I can go out and do it myself. Nice. Yeah, yeah. And then when you were frustrated about having to give the political answer hit up your homie Octavia yeah. and bitch about like, it. Like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> what is uh, this bullshit? <laughs> that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story yeah. and I think also inspiring us <laughs> and Generation Z. Is that? Sure. Gener- I got I got. I well, learn. on a sad note, yeah. apparently they're called the school shooting generation. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Another mm-hmm. sad, I think we talked about it a few episodes ago, but uh, there are memes online now saying that um, the anti-vax movement has mm-hmm. survived longer than the children that haven't been anti-vaxxed. Damn. Or that haven't I'm been vaxxed. Yeah. And Damn. so, like, yeah, that's, uh, we're not treating Gen Z. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, it's Gen Z. Okay. Yeah. We're not leaving a better world for Gen Z here. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm going to close this out. Uh, this is also Dawson's job, um, so I'll see if I can carry his workload here. Um, you can connect with the Quality Under Pressure podcast on Facebook and Instagram at Quality Under Pressure. We're QUP Podcast on Twitter. You can listen to us on pretty much any podcast distributing network. You can email us at qualityunderpressure at gmail.com.